You're listening to the Inglewood College Podcast. Inglewood College is a ministry of Inglewood Baptist Church in Jackson, Tennessee. We believe that just because this season is temporary doesn't mean it can't be deeply transformative. Love God. Love people. Serve the world. Hey, Inglewood College friends. We are back with another installment of our Peace of Mind series as we try to add some content to the Inglewood College podcast for the summer. I hope the previous episode was an encouragement to you. If you haven't heard that one, go back and check it out. We opened up to Matthew 11 and looked briefly at the heart of Jesus for us and the welcome that we have with him. And I think the best part of that message for me was just knowing that I don't have to bear the weight that I often feel on my own. You know, Christ invites me to come to him and find rest and walk with him through this life. And so that'll be an encouragement to you if you go check that back out. Uh, but today we're going to be opening up to Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 7, and then also looking at, with that, 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18. So I want to read both of those passages to you first, and then we'll talk through what is in there. Philippians 4, 4 through 7 says this, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And then 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18 says this, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. So we're really walking through these things and 1 Thessalonians 5.16 almost gives like an outline for what we'll talk about, really. It's rejoicing, it's praying, it's, it's giving thanks and having thanksgiving. And those three things all can be found in Philippians 4 as well. You know, rejoice in the Lord always. It talks about in everything, uh, bringing prayer to the Lord and praying with thanksgiving. And so I want to walk through those things. Uh, first, this idea of rejoicing. So in both passages, you know, it says rejoice in the Lord always. And rejoice always. Like, what does that mean? You know, does it mean that you have to be excited or rejoicing all the time? Um, I'm not sure how well you know me, but I am not a very excitable person. I don't have very strong reactions to things. It's just like, I don't know, it's just not in my nature to really have a big emotional response to things or to seem very excited even when I am excited. It's like, for example, uh, when we were pregnant with our first child, Amy, my wife, uh, she gave me a Valentine's card that was going to tell me that we were pregnant. Um, and so in the Valentine's card, she hinted at it. And I, I read I read over what she wrote. And I really just, I turned up and I said, are you for real? Where she was expecting me to be super excited. It was more of just, I'm excited on the inside, but I kind of thought she was joking with me. And, and she still holds that over my head to this day of knowing that if I say anything exciting to Sean, he's probably not going to be acting very excited at all. But really, you know, so if, if it were up to me to be super overjoyed all the time uh, as a Christian, if that were require, a requirement for following Jesus, I would fail miserably. You know, praise the Lord for grace. But that's not what it means. This Greek verb for rejoice is connected to the word for grace. So to rejoice is actually to lean into God's grace or to live in light of it. 
So how do we live in light of grace always? I think the biggest thing that comes to my mind really is just this, this is so different from the mindset or the lifestyle of woe is me. You know, there are times to mourn. There are hard days and even hard seasons that we face. But this idea of, of being woe is me or, or being a woe is me person or negative all the time, it just doesn't really make sense with living in light of God's grace. You know, we, even though we face difficult things and face suffering and go through things and some things that we bring on ourselves, some things that are brought on us by circumstances or by other people, you know, if we have received God's grace in Christ Jesus for salvation, we can be confident of God's love and his purpose and his provision in our lives, no matter what's going on. You know, Romans 8.32 says this, says, He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? That's not health and wealth gospel from me. That's, that's just me saying what scripture says. That if God has made a way of salvation for us through the suffering of his own son, then how will he not also do amazing things through everything that we face? God isn't hands off with his grace in our lives. Once we trust him, uh, trust in him for salvation, he is always at work. And I should live in light of that. So I can't really be, woe is me, because I'm living in light of great grace that has been shown to me already and that is continually being shown to me as I walk with the Lord. And then you get to, you know, if we're walking through Philippians, Philippians 4, verse 5, gets to talking about how um, we are to be reasonable. And the word could also mean gentle. I kind of think this has something to do with the situation that Paul brought up in the first few verses of this chapter in context. Uh, but he follows up that, you know, everyone should, or be reasonable in the sight of everyone because the Lord is at hand. The Lord is at hand or he is near, he's present. We talked a little bit about this last week, about how it may not always feel like he is present. But even when he doesn't feel present, this is the reality. So don't let anything at all make you hide from him or pull back from him. You know, it makes me think of the phrase in Psalm 139, where can I go from his presence? You know, actually Psalm 139, 7 through 12 says this, says, where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you're there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me and the light about me be night, even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is bright as the day for darkness is as light with you. There's not a place that you can go where he is not. So he is present. The Lord is at hand. And this informs what we do with our anxious thoughts. And so in uh, Philippians 4, he says, do not be anxious about anything. Now, if you deal with anxiety, you know that it's easier said than done. I've been through it. You know, I have my bouts with anxiety and, and anxious thoughts about stuff and random irrational worries and anxieties and worries about things that are even legitimate, but things that are outside of my control. So you know, if you have been through those things or I've dealt with thoughts like that. It's easier said than done just to not be anxious about anything. I want you to understand the word for anxious there most literally means to be pulled apart or pulled in different directions. And isn't that really what anxiety does to us? 
it pulls you apart at the seams. You feel conflicted in your thoughts. You know some things that you're worried about are irrational or outside of your control, and yet you can't stop thinking about it. I think it's particularly true for a believer that you feel pulled apart at the seams. You want to trust God in all things, but there are these lingering worries or thoughts or fears that you have that just pull against that trust. So what are we to do? It's not just, hey, don't be anxious about anything, period. No, he says, instead, pray in everything. Pray, you know, as 1 Thessalonians 5 says, without ceasing. Realistically, you can't pray all the time about everything. I think it's more like keeping an open line of communication with the Lord. That there's nothing you wouldn't bring to him. That it's your first impulse to go to him with whatever is on your mind. Really, prayer is a way of taking the attention off of ourselves. We can get in our own heads, you know. Some of you know this really well, that we have this echo chamber where our thoughts just bounce around and the, the echoes just linger and linger. And we can stay there. We can be tempted to just stay there in our own heads and just try to deal with it or hope that if they, the anxieties or worries or fears that we have will just go away. And I want to tell you, there's real wisdom in taking our thoughts to someone else so they don't just stay there in that echo chamber of our own minds. You know, another person who can see things differently than you and help you see which thoughts make sense and which ones don't. But I want to say even more than that, that there's a person who is there for us in a way that no one else even can be. God is a person. He is a personal God that we have a personal relationship with through Jesus Christ. And he is not distant or disconnected. And when we come to him in prayer, we're expressing trust in him. We're saying, I want to bring these thoughts to you. And I want you to help me see which ones are rational and irrational. I want you to help me see which ones of these are outside of my control and which ones of these things I can just hand over to you. These weights that I can hand to you and find rest for my soul, like we talked about last week. When I come to him in prayer, I'm expressing my trust in him. The act of prayer itself is trusting. And it builds more trust in us to practice expressing that trust in prayer. And how Paul says in Philippians 4, we ought to pray. He says, pray, you know, your prayers and supplications, offer these up with thanksgiving. And that word for thanksgiving is the same word from 1 Thessalonians 5, where we're told, told to thank, uh, give thanks in all circumstances. And literally the word means to, uh, it means good grace. And Thanksgiving really is a recognition of God's good grace. And that's what gratitude really is, that everything, recognizing that everything good that I have is a gracious gift from my Father in heaven. And even the difficult things that I face, I can trust are part of his sovereign plan in the world and for my sanctification. And I can bring these things, everything that I have, everything that I experience, I can bring to the Lord with thanksgiving, knowing that he is working his good grace in my life. And here's what having a heart of gratitude does for you. When you're consistently expressing gratitude, you have a hard time being, woe is me. When you're consistently expressing gratitude to God, you're just reminding yourself of all the reasons that you can trust him. And if you do this, Philippians 4 tells us, the peace of God will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. You may have heard the verse before from Proverbs 4, guard your heart, uh, for from it, flow the springs of life. Thing is, you're not alone in having to do that. Sometimes it can feel a little overwhelming to guard our own heart. But you want a safeguard for your heart? Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Express gratitude regularly for God's good grace. 
and he will guard your hearts and minds. And the next phrase that in Christ Jesus goes back to our previous conversation, that this peace that we can experience in him is only ours as we are in Christ, in relationship with him, coming through Christ to the Father. And if you're not that, if you're not in Christ, you can be right now. There's nothing holding you back except for your sin. And praise the Lord, Jesus Christ has made a way for your sins to be forgiven, for you to have his righteousness. All you have to do is call upon his name, recognize him as Savior and Lord, recognizing that need for him to be those things for you, and you can be saved. Anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord can be saved. And if you are in Christ, practice some gratitude today. Consider the grace of God that you can see at work in you, that you can see at work in your past, and live in light of these things. Never hesitate to take what you're feeling and thinking to the Lord. He is near, and his desire is to walk with you and to guard your heart and mind. That's his desire for you. So that's, that's all we've got for today uh, from Philippians 4, 4 through 7, and 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18. We'll pick up next time in Philippians 4 with verse 8 and go through verse 13. But until then, remember Isaiah 26, 3. You keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Grace and peace.